0: gospel and come after me cannot be my disciple later in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 Paul will write this that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death and then Paul wrote to young Timothy in chapter 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8 therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul's imprisonment was his cross to bear his suffering in following Jesus as his disciple. And secondly, he understood my imprisonment was for Christ in terms of the sovereignty of God. His imprisonment was part of God's divine plan to advance the gospel and and to push his kingdom forward. The reason Paul was in prison and his gospel ministry while in prison, in verse 13, became known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest. And I take the imperial guard to refer to the elite troops that were the emperor's bodyguards and also were charged with guarding imperial prisoners of which Paul was one and then all the rest I believe refers to the families of the imperial guards it refers to those in the imperial administration throughout Rome in fact I believe it refers to the entire populace of Rome in other words Paul Being a prisoner for Christ because of his commitment and continuing to speak of Christ in prison, the word was getting out. It was the talk of the town. Our suffering as a disciple in terms of God's sovereignty is for Jesus, just like Paul's suffering was for Jesus. And the ripple effect is far-reaching. Many of you may remember our brother, Tim Miller, former member of this church, part of the three couples that began, Hot Springs church plant. Many of you may remember Tim was in the flower, the wholesale flower and plants business. And every single Thursday, Tim would, would drop by even when he went uh, began the church plant in Hot Springs, he would still come by covenant every Thursday and drop off a bunch of flowers that we would have in front of the pulpit on Sunday morning. Do, do, Do you remember Tim and those beautiful flowers? Well, Tim contracted cancer and had to go through several rounds of chemotherapy. Talking about suffering. But Tim told me, that he often would take some of those beautiful flowers from the wholesale business and as he was getting ready to have chemotherapy himself he would take those flowers and give them to his fellow patients who were undergoing chemotherapy and he said my purpose was to show the love of Christ But that by God's grace, there might be an opportunity for me to speak a word about Christ. Tim Miller died. He's with the Lord. But inside that suffering, inside that trial, the kingdom was pushed forward. Tim's suffering was for Christ. Tim's suffering pushed forward the kingdom. Paul exploited his suffering in prison for the cause of Christ. Tim Miller followed in Paul's footsteps and exploited his suffering for the cause of Christ. And here's a question for us today. How might we exploit our suffering for Christ, that the gospel might advance and the kingdom push forward. Another way Paul's imprisonment served the advancement of the gospel was the impact that it had on those outside, that is, those not in prison. Paul's faithfulness and boldness in continuing the gospel ministry while in prison encouraged others. In verse 14, Most of the brothers, according to the text, on the outside were encouraged to speak the word without fear. And I take the text to primarily be referring to those brothers that were there in Rome. You know, oftentimes we do not speak of Christ out of fear of man, or fear of failure, or both. If if Paul could be so bold as to speak of Christ in prison, waiting to appear before Caesar with his life in the balance, if Tim Miller could be so bold while he was suffering, while he was receiving chemotherapy to show compassion and the love of Christ to others in hopes of speaking of Christ, how much more should we outside of that particular suffering be emboldened to speak of Christ. God's work in others really does give us courage to rest in our good theology that God is sovereign and He sovereignly works through His disciples in suffering. To advance his gospels and the rippling effect of God's sovereign work is far reaching now the second major thing that I want to talk about today is this this phrase Christ is proclaimed the gospel is advanced not only through suffering, suffering can't stop it, but the gospel is also advanced even when preachers have wrong and sinful motives. Not that I do. I understand that the two two groups that are mentioned in verses 15 through 17 to be the same brothers that are mentioned in verse 14. And you have to get this to understand what Paul is doing here. In verse 14, most of the brothers were encouraged and fearlessly preached Christ. And then he says, some of those, most of the brothers that were encouraged were goodwill preachers, goodwill preachers. Look at verse 9, I mean, I'm mean, i sorry, uh, goodwill preachers, uh, verses 15 through 16, their motive was love. And Paul uses that, that same word that he uses in verse 9, agape, that self-sacrificing, other centered type of love, that sacrificial love that Jesus displays, that God displayed in the saving of sinners. They, the goodwill preachers that were encouraged by Paul were, were motivated to serve the advancement of the gospel, not self. They were not against Paul. They were for him. They understood he was in prison to defend the gospel, to promote the gospel, verse 16. In other words, they were working for the same end as Paul in prison. Their goal, like Paul, was to push the kingdom forward by proclaiming Christ. Their motive was love for Christ, love for the gospel, love for the kingdom, love for the lost, love for the church, and yes, love for Paul. Well, that was one of the two groups that we find mentioned in verses 15 through 17. The second group I've labeled the sinful motives preachers. Others, part of the most In verse 14, some of those preach Christ from envy and rivalry, Paul says in verse 15. Verse 17 further describes their motivation as selfish ambition. Preaching to them was not, it was about Christ, don't get me wrong, they were preaching faithfully. They were preaching truthfully the gospel. But it was not for Christ, it was really for them. They were not so concerned with pushing the kingdom forward, but pushing their reputations forward, pushing their agendas forward, pushing their little kingdoms, little kingdom preaching ministry forward. They did not preach with goodwill. They did not preach with sincerity sincerely as Paul says in verse 17 instead of their goal being to advance the gospel they preached to afflict Paul while he was in prison well who in the world are these preachers one thing we can say is they were against Paul they were antagonists to Paul for whatever reason we really don't know for sure what the reason was though they preached truthfully. Some think they were part of the Judaizers. We read about them in Galatians. Paul will refer to them yet again in chapter 3 of Philippians. But I do not believe that is the case because the Judaizers, according to Paul in Galatians and also in in chapter 3 of Philippians, were preaching a false gospel. And there's no way in the world Paul is going to rejoice in someone, even with the wrong motives, preaching a false gospel. So I don't think it was a matter of A disagreement over how the Old Testament law applies to Gentile converts or even Jewish converts to Christ for that matter. Though we don't know what it really was, I think what we can say is that likely there were some in Rome who had been preaching and teaching for years prior to Paul's coming. They had developed kind of their their preaching ministry. And we know that the church in Corinth, for example, favored one preacher over another. And likely this was a situation here. And by Paul coming, and by Paul being in prison, and and by Paul's reputation spreading and garnishing a following, they likely were concerned that their little preaching kingdom might be challenged by Paul. They were envious of him. They were jealous of him of him and perhaps they sought out to put an end to him while he was in prison so they might be the premier preachers of the church in Rome. It's a possibility but what is clear there were preachers preaching truthfully with false motives. And verse 18 shows a surprising thing and and how Paul is a wonderful example for us. Paul asks in verse 18, What then do the sinful motives of some preachers discredit and discount Christ being proclaimed? Does the gospel advancing depend on a preacher having pure, completely pure motives? I hope not. All right, to be fair to St. Francis of Assisi, as I said, there's some controversy over exactly what he said and how it's been interpreted, but it seems to be that pretty close to what he said was this. It's no use walking anywhere to preach unless your walking is preaching. So the popular rendition of this is practice what you preach, implying that don't preach if you're not practicing, if you're not living consistent with what you preach. Now listen, there may be obvious reasons for one's lifestyle to result in them not preaching heresy, scandalous behavior, church discipline, but if any wrong motive or sinful motive disqualifies someone from preaching, then few, few would be able to preach. And maybe none, not even Paul, would be able to preach. Every sermon, every Bible lesson, every gospel presentation, every counseling advice is given by someone with mixed motives. Love? Yes. but let me tell you, especially with the advent of the Internet and sermon downloads, one preacher may say, "My goal is to have more sermon down, my goal is to have more sermon downloads than Derek per capita of sermons preached." Right, Derek? Yeah, preacher wars. Let's get into it, man. The congregation will benefit. Let's, let's, let's try to out-preach one another. You want to? Listen, that's not too far from the truth. You need to understand. Preachers, big-name preachers, small fish, we all struggle with mixed motives. And you struggle with mixed motives with every single thing you do, teaching Sunday school, counseling someone, even discipling your children. Mixed motives. And Paul acknowledges two things in verse 18, first, a preacher can have sinful motives and yet proclaim Christ accurately and faithfully. That is, the gospel can be advanced through imperfect preachers with wrong motives. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Because if that's not the case, we are in serious trouble in the church universal. Do you get that? And then secondly, Paul states, in pretense, false motives, or in truth, goodwill out of love, Christ is proclaimed and he says that is the reason I rejoice he doesn't rejoice because men are standing up and preaching with false motives he rejoices because in spite of that Christ is proclaimed and the gospel is advanced the gospel advancing always wins And at the very end of verse 18, Paul shows his singular passion. The advancement of the gospel and the kingdom. Even as the gospel is faithfully preached and the kingdom advances through those who oppose Paul, he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. He demonstrates charity towards those who oppose him. He demonstrates charity. Though Paul had mixed motives. I think we could say that Paul probably had the least of mixed motives of all Christians. But he had mixed motives. He wasn't Jesus. But I think this shows that really the motive of love is what really was driving him. To have such charity towards these sinful motive preachers that wanted him to be discredited. Paul viewed the gospel ministry was not about him. It was about and for Christ. It was about and for the advancement of the kingdom through Christ being proclaimed. It was about and for the gospel changing lives in other people. And this focus is a goal greater than self-focus. And this resulted... And Paul being able to rejoice in Christ being proclaimed even by those who were opposed to him. Two years ago, while I was being coached by, by a ministry coach, just to help me grow in some areas of ministry, I was asked a rather simple but very penetrating question. And here's the question that that Stephen asked me. Why do you preach? And I went, Oh, for goodness sakes. What? Why do I preach? Well, that's my job. That's, you know, that's, that's one reason I get paid for it. It's my calling. I really do believe God has called me to be a pastor uh, to to preach. Ooh, wait a minute. I think one motive there might be well, to build my reputation. Ooh, maybe mm, to get praise and attaboys from... The great sermons I preach. They have more downloads than Derek on our web page. And yeah, there, 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 there's love there. And then the thought came to me. Okay, I have mixed motives in preaching. But this is the thought that came to me. Which motive is prominent? That, that's what got me. This side of heaven, you're never going to hear a sermon from me purely out of love. You just need to get over that. Sorry to bust your bubble. But what I want is for you to hear sermons from me that are more and more motivated by agape love. That's the challenge. And so Paul's motives were mixed, but love appears to be the foremost. And that should be the case with us, that our motives are mixed. But as Paul prayed in verse 9, that the Philippians' love would abound more and more, the implication, the The thing for us to do in light of what has been preached is for us to pray more and more that our motive would be love as we minister the Word of God in whatever situation God calls you to minister His Word, preaching, teaching, counseling, over a cup of coffee, Talking about Jesus with someone who is questioning. May that, may love more and more be my motive in ministry. May love more and more be your motives in ministry. And here's the last thing. The kingdom advances. The the implication for us is, listen to this, (laughs) the gospel wins no matter what. Suffering can't stop the gospel being proclaimed, Christ being proclaimed, and the kingdom being pushed forward. Sinful motives of preachers cannot stop the gospel being proclaimed, Christ being proclaimed, and the kingdom pushed forward. That is really, really good news. And the ripple effect of Christ being proclaimed even by someone suffering, even with sinful motives, is far-reaching, and that is cause to rejoice. So I want to give you just a cause to rejoice in in a real story that began, it really began before December 9th, 2018, but we pick up with the situation in China, one of the largest house churches in China, where over a hundred worshipers were arrested. And Pastor Wang Yi was among them. Pastor Yi had left a letter that was to be released in the event the civil authorities ever arrested him. So he was arrested and his letter has been spread widely around the world. Maybe you've read it. If you haven't you can find it in World Magazine. Pastor Yi wrote this, and I'm just going to read portions of this. I also believe that the persecution of the church by the Chinese communist regime is an extremely evil crime. As a pastor of the Christian church, I must sternly and openly blame such sins. The calling also requires me to violate all human laws that violate the Bible and God in a nonviolent form. In peace and patience, Christ my Savior also asked me to joyfully bear all the cost of transgressing evil laws. But this does not mean that my personal and church disobedient is a political act in any sense of activism or civil disobedience. Because I have no intention of changing any of China's systems and laws. As a pastor, listen to this. As a pastor, the only thing I care about is the disobedience of faith, the shock of sinful humanity, and the testimony of the cross of Christ. As a pastor, my disobedience is part of the gospel mission. The great mission of Christ requires our great resistance to the world. The purpose of resisting is not to change the world, but to witness another world. Those who hold me will be detained by angels. The person who interrogates me will eventually be interrogated by Christ. And with this in mind, the Lord has made me sympathetic and sad to those who are trying and who are holding me. And listen to what he asks: Ask the Lord to use me and give me patience and wisdom to bring the gospel to them, suffering an opportunity to advance the gospel and demonstrate the motive of love. You see, an imprisonment such as this, one would think, would crushed, stop in its tracks the advancement of the gospel, the growth of the church in China. But what Paul has told us today, what happened to him as well as to Pastor Yi, serves to do just the opposite, to advance it on the inside. As Pastor Yi asked for prayer to evangelize those who interrogate him, to speak of Christ to those who guard him, And his suffering has also advanced the gospel on the outside. Millions, likely, have read his letter through social media and on the internet. I've read it, and guess what? I've been emboldened to preach. It's encouraged me. And Pastor Yves' motives, the only thing he cares about, ultimately... It's not himself. It's not to build his reputation. Now, let's face it, Pastor Yi, there in prison, somewhere in China, has mixed motives, just like me, just like you. But yet it, seems, it appears to me that the foremost motive is love. Love for Christ, love for others, love for the kingdom. All I care about is to testify to the cross. My goal is, is to testify to the cross to another kingdom that has no end. And for us, we rejoice in a story like this. We should rejoice in a story like this. Some of you don't look like you're rejoicing very much. I know you are. This is incredible! What God has done literally has been published worldwide and it's gotten everybody's attention that there's a man in prison not to change evil system of government but simply to witness Christ. That is something. Christ being proclaimed inside and outside of suffering with the foremost motive being love. That's something that we can rejoice over. And the ripple effects of proclaiming Christ are far-reaching, pushing the kingdom ever forward and outward. The ripple effect of preaching the gospel, either in suffering or even with sinful motives, is so far-reaching that one day the gospel message just like the title verse from Matthew in your bulletin, one day the God, now get this one day the gospel message is going to reach the last elect person in human history, <laughs> and be preached to him or her. And then the Bible tells us, and Christ will come. By grace, may we preach the kingdom forward. Let us pray. Father, your gospel is glorious. Your kingdom is on the move. Cannot be stopped. Will never end. And we have the privilege to preach it forward. So empower us. So use us, even with our struggle with mixed motives, that Christ might be proclaimed And in this we rejoice. In Christ's name, amen. You would take your